Hello and welcome to Art Related Noise, the podcast of the Art Republic Gallery in Brighton. For this episode, we talk to Ben Ayn, an artist who started out as a graffiti writer, but who now has work hanging up in the White House. From painting trains to travelling the world with Banksy, he is now known for his typefaces and original fonts, becoming one of the world's leading typographic artists. This is Art Related Noise. We started experimenting with painting. There's so many avenues of art. We're surrounded by images. Just being lost in this sea of possibility. Announcing that I was going to be an artist. It brings the work I do alive even more. They could be part of this work as well. Everyone's got their own personal connection to something. So Ben, thanks for talking to us on the Art Related Noise podcast and thanks for inviting me as TST Studio. What are, you, what are you working on at the moment? At the moment, I am making two little canvases. I say little, they're like a metre 30 by 30 centimetres, I think. I've just repainted the wall or one of the walls in Ebor Street, which is in Shoreditch, and I paint it every couple of years. And the guy... I organised that with, there's a guy called Mark, and he runs the advertising agency Mother. And a few years ago, I painted a little canvas for his first daughter. I can't remember what it said. But anyway, he now has another daughter. Oh, so that's what you're doing now? Literally, you paint the canvas for... Yeah, and she wants a canvas because her big sister's got one. Mark's daughter wanted... Pink and purple rainbows. <laughs> well, and why not? Why so not? I was like, yeah, I don't care. Pink and purple rainbows. Who wouldn't want those in 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 your bedroom? Yeah, little a little five year old girl. <laughs> so how did you start? You know, you, you you're really well known at the moment for your typography and and your the fonts that you use. How did you first realise that that was the way you wanted to go in terms of your art? So my background is graffiti and graffiti is in my opinion all about exploring the letter form kind of taking a word or a name you know your nickname and making that word look as fresh and as dope and whatever other weird graffiti terminology you can use but basically designing that word and redesigning it and making it look exciting and alive that's kind of my background and when i stopped painting graffiti for numerous reasons i basically i I was bored with graffiti and i wanted to stop doing graffiti but i still wanted to paint stuff and i still wanted to paint stuff in the street and i wanted to paint stuff illegally because that's kind of exciting i saw a way whereby i could paint random letters on shop shutters in the daytime and not get arrested so basically i just took my fascination yeah my fascination with typography and words and just took that kind of like back to how typography kind of began or how bold interest in typography began no one else was doing it as well so i could stand out in the crowd which is important yeah i've just always had a nerdy interest in words and typography it's just a natural flow from practicing graffiti and yeah no one else was doing it sort of na- a natural evolution then would you say yeah in terms yeah of your yeah definitely work? definitely you know i just i was moving in one direction with regards to typography through graffiti and i stopped going in that direction and started studying letter form and kind of old printing techniques 
and I found some fonts that were designed, you know, hundreds of years ago, and I, I just reworked those fonts and then applied them using spray paint, and that naturally made them different. You know, and also applying those fonts using stencils and spray paint, you know, that naturally makes the fonts different to how they were designed originally and what they were designed for. And then I've just kind of like continued that and now design my own fonts completely from scratch. Take old fonts that have been knocking around for a while and redesign them, redesign them, redesign them until they're in a kind of a form that I can use. And yeah, and possibly other people can use in the way that I want them to be used. And when you first started painting these fonts on the, on the street, these, these letters, where, where was that? Because the, the one area that I always think about when I first saw your work was Petticoat Lane Market. Is, is that, was it that sort of area that you first started doing them on the street? Petticoat Lane Market, it was a, a road called Middlesex Street. And that was a project that I did in collaboration with a little gallery that was down there. But that was quite a few years into me painting the letters on the, sh on the shutters. I can't remember what year I did the first one, but it was like a good, I'm terrible with dates. But yeah, basically it was a Sunday day, Sunday morning, and I was with an artist called Sept, and there were a few shutters at the bottom of Kingsland Road, just by Old Street and the beginning of Shoreditch High Street. There were a few shops down there that were empty, pretty much derelict and they had shutters and the shutters were covered in tags and Sept and I decided that we were going to paint these shutters Sunday morning, why not, seems like a perfect time to do it, put on a yellow jacket and uh, yeah Sept did a big, Sept did a Sept blockbuster piece on one shutter and I painted two E's on these other shutters and my intention was to go back and in the middle of the two E's paint an iron then. So four shutters would spell my name, Iron. For some reason or other, I only painted the two E's. Went back to the studio, dumped the paint. Went back to take photographs of the shutters and kind of like have a look at people's reactions. I was just looking at these two things and I was just like, if I go back and stick an I and an N in there, it's going to ruin it. It's going to turn this thing that I've just painted into fucking a boring graffiti writer writing his boring name and nobody cares. But these two E's are just like, what? Because I didn't sign them. So I was just looking at these two E's and thinking, this is just way more interesting than my name. It's going to raise a lot more questions than boring graffiti writer writes his boring name. Wow. So at that point, I decided that I was going to paint the entire alphabet in that area. And at the time, this is, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, it wasn't Shoreditch, definitely wasn't anywhere near, anywhere near like it is now. Half the shops are empty. Everything, all the shop shutters were covered in graffiti. A lot more shops had shutters because there was a lot more crime back then. So, yeah, I decided that I was going to paint the entire alphabet over shop shutters. And I think over the course of like two or three months, I probably painted about 60 shutters. And I painted them in Hackney Road, Kingsland Road, Broadway Market, Brick Lane, Bethnal Green Road. Basically anywhere in that area that had shutters. I went out and painted them. Over the course of three months, all of a sudden, a lot of shutters in this one area all had random letters. Sometimes the letters kind of like applied to the name of the shop. And I didn't do them all illegally, like the first 20 or so I did without permission. But after I had like a bunch of photographs, I'd then go into shop shops and say, oh, I'm doing this art project, can I paint your shutter? And the dude was like, oh yeah, 
my shop's called Ruby Handbags, we paint an R on one and an H on the other, and I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. So, yeah, I slowly got the entire alphabet, but everybody was like, what is this? What's going on? Nobody could understand what it was. You know, is it an advertising campaign? Is the local council trying to brighten up the neighbourhood? And it was just it was just a lot more interesting than graffiti. Did they think there was some like hidden meaning behind what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, no one had clue. No, does it spell something? You know, is it a message? And then I got a little bit of press about it. All my graffiti friends thought I'd gone mad. I had no idea what I was doing. And again again, this is you know, fifteen, twenty years ago. Street art didn't exist then. You know, nobody had coined the phrase street art. Yeah, it wouldn't have even been known as it. Yeah. So, yeah, and then there was a little bit of press. There's a, there's a comedian called Dave Gorman, and he did something on it. But that was, like, the first wave, and I just continued painting them. Now, I've got no idea how many I've done, but I'd say about a 1,000. They're just a really fun, interesting thing to paint, and they're super quick, and they're really effective. You know, when you get 10 of them in a row down the street, it completely changes the dynamic of that street and just makes it look like a fun and interesting place to be. It opens it up a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. And you know, like old ladies love it, little kids love it. It's just a really cheap, simple, and effective way to like inject a burst of color and a bit of fun. So when you, when you go back to that, that point in your mind, that Sunday morning, painting with sets, a couple of shutters, thinking, I'm just going to just see what this looks like. Yeah. Do you look back now and think that, well, that's a really defining moment for my art, and everything that went beyond is sort of linked to that particular moment? Yeah, definitely. That was when, you know, I'd been thinking about what to do and how to do it. But yeah, that moment, it was like, I'm never going to write my name on anything I ever paint in the street because it just it just turns it into graffiti. And I really didn't want to do graffiti. I wanted to do something different. But... We didn't know what different was back then. And it also, you know, we were kind of exploring and seeing what we could do and what we could get away with. And then after I painted quite a few of those shutters, I was like, right, what else can we get away with? I just posted it on Instagram, actually. There was a wall, which is now on the Village Underground wall. And at the time, it had a big wooden sign on it advertising some car mechanic place that used to be there. But that wall was just a blank wall. So we ripped the sign down, cleaned the wall, painted the wall with this thick mix of like exterior emulsion and PVA and gave it like three layers of white paint and painted the word vandalism on it over the course of like three days in broad daylight, wearing yellow high-vis jackets and some couple of bollards that we nicked from around the corner and some wet paint tape. And yeah, got away with painting the word vandalism like fucking however many metres high. I was like, right, what can we get away with now? You know, a couple of weeks later, I painted Scary. So, and the Scary's on Rivington Street, and that's still yeah, there, isn't it? Yeah, Scary's still there. It's the oldest piece of street art. Was there a reason behind you painting the words Scary? I heard it might have been like a commentary on the area at the time. No, or... it's just that whole kind of broken window theory, and people considered graffiti to be scary because... If you can tag here and not get arrested and then another tag appears and then does that mean you can break into my car and steal my stereo and you know if you can break into my car and steal my stereo then you can rape my daughter and this is a lawless area and it's like no it's not it's just a fucking tag by a kid that has no interest in any other crime apart from expressing himself in a weird way because there's nothing else for him to do. So it was a kind of like an ironic commentary on the fact that people thought, you know, graffiti was scary. So I thought I'd write the word scary, six metres tall and 30 metres long. And it's still there. Yeah, in pretty colourful, bright, happy and makes that 
grimy little yeah not an alleyway but you know it's a tunnel sort of thing yeah, isn't it mate, yeah just makes that little area a little bit nicer and a little bit brighter and yeah it's the word scary just wanted to show you that it's totally isn't scary it's actually quite nice how did you get into graffiti in the first place so what made you you start wanting to do your thing on the on on, on the street and how did you get into that oh i couldn't break dance basically i wanted to be part of this crew or this gang that was kind of break dancing and it was like the beginnings of hip-hop break dancing and kind of rapping and DJing with two decks, graffiti. Sort of early 90s type yeah, of talking about. Yeah, yeah, and graffiti was an element of that kind of movement. And yeah, I couldn't break dance, and I had a really, really vague interest in art, and I don't know why, but I just was kind of like vaguely interested with it. And I was a cheeky little shit, and I was really fast at running. Yeah, I enjoyed being naughty and kind of getting away with it. Yeah, just cheeky little shit would be the best way to describe me. So I discovered graffiti and I was like, wow, this is absolutely perfect for me. So yeah, that's how it all began. Basically with a book called Subway Art by Martha Cooper and Henry Chalfont. And it became my Bible. Again, another defining moment in my life. Without that book, I wouldn't be standing here talking to you now. How, how did you come across the book? Because at that time, I think that, you know, it wouldn't have been a, a mainstream thing on, on the shelves of the average bookstore. How I found you... it in W.H. Smith's. Oh, so it was. Well, W.H. Smith's in the King's Road. So I don't know if it was in every W.H. Smith's. And it was the first thing I ever stole. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Another defining moment. Yep. <laughs> Beginning of my very, very unsuccessful career as a criminal so you looked at that and was it was it just that what was it that struck you about this it just sort of blew work my mind it just totally and utterly blew my mind i was however old 14 year old kid and i'm looking through this book and there are photographs of the, this most amazing exciting thing on the side of trains with people sitting on these trains and these trains were rolling through new york with the new york skyline as the backdrop it was like you couldn't make you couldn't take a more exciting and dynamic photograph and it was like wow this is happening in the world this isn't like some fucking made-up story these are photographs of trains running with fucking graffiti on it and it's I was like, I've got to do this. I was like, I've got to do this. And yeah, it became my, like, my, my mission to go and do it. And it took God knows how many years. It took a long time, but eventually I did paintings on the side of trains and got photographs of the trains. This was the other thing. I wanted to do it and get photographs of it. So yeah, I, I painted these pieces on the side of trains, like top to bottom whole cars. That's like the whole carriage from the floor to the ceiling, from one end of the carriage to the other end of the carriage, and got perfect daytime photographs. If it wasn't for the fact that you could see a bit of the carriage on the left and a bit of the other carriage on the right, and there were wheels on the bottom of it, at first you wouldn't realise this was a train. So I kind of, I achieved this thing that I really, really wanted to do. And what was the scene like back then then? So there, was, there must have been a few of you doing that, that sort of thing, you know, all influenced. Uh, you saying you've been influenced by Subway Art isn't the first time that I've heard that. There seems to be a number of people of particular generation that were really sort of yeah. influenced by that work. Was there, was there a lot of you at that time? What was it like? I wouldn't say there's a lot of us, but there was, there was definitely a bunch of us. If you're my age, 
and you grew up in a city, you're doing, you know, you're, you're making art or you're making street art, you definitely had a go at doing graffiti at some point or, you know, graffiti took over your life and became the thing that you had to do. And was this about the sort of subculture that was going on at the time? Is it? Yeah, it was like, you know, growing up in London, it was like, you know, when we got a little bit older, we were going out, we were going out to like all the nightclubs in London. We were really into our clothes and our fashion really into our music and we were doing graffiti and the best time to do graffiti or you know street bombing tagging is fucking two three four five six o'clock in the morning you'd go out to nightclubs get a bit drunk have a rucksack with some cans of spray paint in it so you'd come out of the nightclub at three o'clock in the morning a little bit leery because you're a bit drunk and go and tag stuff you know you'd slowly meet other graffiti writers and you know make connections and form little graffiti crews and you know and then that slowly kind of like introduced me into the graffiti train culture you must form quite a, a close bond doing that with with the guys doing that sort of yeah totally you know, Be- activity yeah and- because and, and as well as that you've got to completely trust each other because you get arrested and when you get arrested, you want to know that these people that you've been arrested with are going to sit there and say no comment, the same as you are. Because I think people forget that actually there's a particular time doing graffiti on the street. and I mean, there was an active police presence trying to... Oh my God, yeah, there was a section of the police force that was dedicated to catching graffiti artists. You've got British Transport Police that, that, you know, that police the railways. And then within that, you've got Vandal Squad... Sounds really Is that what it was called? Vandal Squad. <laughs> that are like, they're the ones to catch the graffiti writers. And there was, you know, there was probably like, in London, there was, I don't know, probably like 10 of them. And yeah, it's their job to catch graffiti writers because although graffiti doesn't actually harm anyone and it's pretty easy to clean off, it's portrayed as this evil, disgusting, the gateway crime to broken window theory, etc., etc. Yeah, people, you know, authorities in particular fucking hated it literally hated it and like lots of friends of mine have been sent to prison and some of them have been sent to prison for quite a long time for what is fundamentally changing the color of something which is a little bit ridiculous another area that i know of your work is your your screen printing you do a lot of so yeah prints yeah, so, you know, we'd been painting stuff on the street for a while, and this was like kind of as the internet was beginning to happen, people were interested in buying what we were painting. You know, we were becoming, within small little circles, we were becoming kind of like quite well known, and people, people wanted to have a piece of it. So I was always interested in... There was this screen print culture in America. So if you were like a cool band, Beastie Boys or whatever, you go on a tour, the Beastie Boys would employ... A few different artists around America to design them gig posters and these posters were then screen printed and sold at the gigs where the Beastie Boys played. You could buy a really cool Beastie Boy poster playing at whatever venue in San Francisco designed by a really cool artist, you know, Frank Kozak, Coop, they were like a few of them and they were cheap, they were really really cheap and sometimes they were signed by the artist, you know, sometimes they were a numbered edition but they were cheap and they were really nicely done and they were kind of a little bit disposable. 
you know, they weren't precious pieces of art. And I really, I always really liked that kind of like culture. You know, when we started getting an interest with people that were interested in buying our stuff or having a piece of our stuff, I proposed setting up something like this thing that was happening in America. A company called Pictures and Walls was formed. I'd never done screen printing and at the time I didn't have a job. And I was like, yeah, I'll do the printing. The first few prints that were produced with Pictures and Walls were printed by a guy called Jerv from Mission Print up in Birmingham. And then we wanted to do more creative stuff with screen printing and we wanted to work with the artists and we wanted to have the artists with us when we were printing so we could make more kind of like more arty kind of unique stuff. So uh, Jerv came down to London with a flatbed and some screens and some ink and some paper and some masking tape and we set it up in this office and he gave me a very basic lesson into screen printing, and that was it. That five, was how you started? Yeah, five years of screen printing, most Banksy prints. You, you were working with Banksy at that time as well? Yeah, right? yeah, I worked with Banksy for yeah quite a few years. We travelled around together, Palestine and Australia and Berlin and fucking Japan and some other places, and literally just had a laugh together. We both enjoyed painting, we both enjoyed painting stuff illegally, we both enjoyed the challenge of doing stuff that we weren't supposed to do, and also appreciated that it's just a little piece of it, it's just a rat holding a placard, it's not, we're not causing any real damage. Is that the sort of thing you were doing back then, those sort of late little rat stencils? Yeah, you know, yeah. We'd, yeah, we'd go out together and I'd help him, you know, stencil his stuff and look out for him, and, you know, I'd paint my stuff, he'd help me. And we shared a couple of studios together. It was good, fun times before before it all got too serious and money got involved. It was just, yeah, it was literally just a laugh. It's a different era looking back now, I suppose. Yeah, so that. different. Yeah, completely different. But, you know, people get older, people have responsibilities. Yeah, it's now turned into a business. When you go out on, on, your, on the street now, I mean, you, you, you mentioned previously in the interview some of the words that you you do. Mm. I noticed that when you do certain pieces, you make reference to things like knife crime and, and different sort of societal issues. Is, is that something that you, you think about a lot? You know, there's the, the way that society is changing and how you can use your art to yeah, draw attention no, to things? Yeah, no, totally. It's like, rightly or wrongly, I'm in a position where people listen to me. There's, I've got a slight aura of coolness or joy, whatever, however you want to describe it. So I can raise awareness, highlight issues, make people listen. Yeah, and work with charities that are, you know, are struggling to raise money or raise awareness or whatever. So the issues that kind of concern me are, yeah, fucking violence. The fact that young people don't seem to have a lot of things to do. People don't seem to help them. Homelessness. And yeah, they are the charities that I support and... Is, it, is there something about you doing that sort of work now and seeing yourself back, you know, when you were a young lad starting out and just trying <coughs> to find something to do? Do you, do you see your, yourself in a few of these? Yeah, I, you know, I've just seen lots of friends of mine that also got into graffiti and got into drugs and got into crime and have now either killed themselves or massively struggling with addictions or gone on to be amazingly successful. I think a lot of these people with, you know, some kind of guidance would have done better for themselves. Yeah, I don't know. It's some just... form of honing of that yeah. talent, if you like. Like, 
I mean, mm. you can see the talent in terms of the work that you've done. You know, how can you channel that sort of work from a young lad in a certain way? Yeah, so it's, you know, kind of like, you know, it all sounds corny, but yeah, trying to catch these kids and showing them that there are opportunities and options for them. And it's not just about, you know, serving up drugs, you know, just saying, you know, you know, I did it. I didn't go to art school. I left school at 15 and I'm now doing this. You know, you have options, you can do stuff. You know, if you have a passion, go for it. Did you ever think you'd get a piece hanging in the White House? Definitely not. I never, yeah, just, it was just something that never ever crossed my mind or what, how, how or why would anybody ever consider that? Do you think Donald Trump looks at your, your, your artwork every day as he walks through the corridors of power? He definitely doesn't because I've had it on good authority that the painting was hanging up in one of Obama's daughter's bedrooms whilst they lived at the White House and when they left she took the painting with her, so it's now hanging up in her bedroom, wherever she lives now. That's Chicago, nice. possibly, I don't know. Do you remember the call that you got? What was the call like when you first heard, actually, yeah, the Camerons want that, that piece? I got, uh, I got a call from Anya Heinmark, who's a handbag lady. I'd, I'd done a project with her previously, and she was good mates with Samantha Cameron. So she phoned me up and she was like, ah, hi Ben, bit of a weird one. Do you mind if I pass your number on to Downing Street? They are looking for a piece of art to give to the most important man in the world. I was like, hmm, yeah, okay. And then down, someone from Downing Street phoned me up like 10 minutes later and basically said, yes, David Cameron is going to meet Obama next week for the first official state visit and they have agreed to do an art exchange and we're interested in getting a piece of art from you. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> so, but yeah, this was like Friday and they needed the art by Monday. So we spent a weekend kind of emailing photographs and different ideas and different options. And they eventually decided on a painting that said 21st Century City. And someone came in my studio and picked up the painting Monday morning, flew it to Washington, and that was the last I ever saw of it. That's it? Yeah, and the rest is history. Ben, thanks a lot for talking to Art Related Noise. My pleasure, thank you. Excellent. Thank you.